Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Psychics Podcast. I'm Tony, your number one psychic and host. At the Psychics, we help people start, speed up, or save their business each and every day. We do this because we believe that every business owner is a hero in their own right. They create jobs, support their local community, and make a difference to their customers' lives. For that reason, we believe that every business owner needs a sidekick. Now, our podcast is going to be available on the Anchor app, Apple, Google, Spotify, and other amazing platforms. Each and every episode, you are going to get some real insights into business with real customers and business owners backed by real results. Stay tuned. I'm really excited today to bring you an amazing guest, a good friend of mine, and one of our very first customers at the Sidekicks. His name is Nick Papastomatis. Nick is the practice leader at Balance Health and Performance. He's an accomplished chiropractor, a business owner, and oversees a seven-figure business with seven locations across Sydney, Australia, and has over 10 staff. Nick and I are going to be talking about a range of things, but mostly how we met and a little bit about the balance experience over the last few years to where it is today, including the bad times and the good times. And I'm really excited to bring Nick to you today. So Nick, thank you so much for being here today and welcome to the very first episode of the Sidekicks podcast. I felt that it would only be right to have the very first client of the Sidekicks be the very first guest on our episode. And I am forever grateful to you uh, for a number of reasons and we'll go through that in a second. But I would love through the course of our conversation today um, to just get you to talk to talk about how we met, I guess, the experience that Balanced Health and Performance as an organization has had with the Psychics and the support that we've provided and where Balance is right now because of that support and guidance of having the Psychics. But before we get into all that, perhaps I'll hand over to you and you can share with our listeners who are listening perhaps for the very first time a little bit more about you and how we both met. Thank you so much for having me, Tony, and it's a pleasure to be here and an honor for me to be able to give back to you. Um, I We met when I was early on in, in Balance Health and Performance's life, where I was treating from within a gym, and you came up to me saying that I have a shoulder problem, and I just told you that I'd fix it, you believed me, I treated you, I fixed it, and from there we, we just continued on with and started developing a great relationship. Yeah, so I think um, for those that don't know much about that, in a nutshell, I had quite a serious and painful shoulder problem and I actually met Nick for the very first time as a patient and he was able to sort the pain out when no one else could in three sessions, which blew me away at the time, got me curious. One conversation led to another and Nick, here we are. That's right. And uh, I, I didn't really understand how I was I was quite oblivious as a business owner I was stuck I was stuck in the business just treating people constantly and um, and some of the things that you were telling me were I, I knew them but I didn't understand them because my actions were very different to my knowledge yeah. and um, it wasn't until really the business was in major strife that I started to realize that I actually really need to do something about what is happening in this business 
because it went from zero to hero overnight, basically, and I needed to I needed to do something about how it was being structured. But I didn't find that out till it was almost too late, thanks to you. Yeah, we'll get to that uh, a bit later on. Um, I think what's really important to highlight to our listeners is that you and I met quite naturally and organically, and so I would be on uh, Nick's treating table in paint, mm-hmm. and I was struck quite instantly that I knew that I was in very, very capable hands and probably Australia's best chiropractor. Stop and, it. Yeah, no, that's, that's just how I felt. And you solved my problem fairly quickly. And I, at that point, had nothing but gratitude and I wanted to help back. And I think you and I started to talk business as well as life. And so one conversation led to another and you started to open up to me about some of the challenges, the constraints and your frustrations that were happening for you at the time. Perhaps you could share a bit more as to what your experience was like, where you were as a business and as a business owner at that point in time. Would you want me to explain the first time you met or the second time we met? Maybe the second, just the second time. fast forward a All little right. bit and where the business was at. Well, I actually really want to start at the first one. Sure. <laughs> because um, it was an, it was a... I really urge now a lot of business owners to, to engage in coaches uh, that can help them because the first time you could have helped me and I could have avoided this entire situation altogether. But the second time and the second time I, I engaged you was when the business, I didn't know what was happening in the business. I didn't know where the money was going. I, I knew that we were running out of money even though we were bringing seven figures in a year I had no idea where that money was going, nor did I know how to control it. And it was a very daunting feeling of walking in through the doors that I opened and being out of control of a monster. It was like a monster without a leash. Yeah. And so for those business owners that are out there, you could all relate to the fact that it is a business is your baby. It's also an extension of your personality and your profile. And a lot of times it feels vulnerable mm. to ask for help. Yeah. A lot of times it feels vulnerable to even open up about the problems you're having. And Nick and I, to summarize, had a false start in the first time yeah. we tried to work yeah. together and, and for me to try to help Nick because I could see ahead, I could see around the corners as to what was happening in Nick's business situation, his staffing issues and the financials. But I think at the time you weren't ready. No. However... It took a bit. It took a couple of years after that for you and I to reconnect. Well, it just unraveled, and now it frustrates me to see different businesses and other other business owners being where I was, and I can now see around the corner because I see me in them, and and around the corner they have problems that they have never met before, which I can see, which I really want them to get help with, and they don't because they're arrogant. So what would be your key takeaway to business owners that are listening right now? What would be your piece of advice if they are at that point and stage in time with their business? What would you say to them? Your coach, if you, if you don't have a coach, you need one. Your coach should not only be, should, needs to be older than you and, have, and needs to have walked a, a path beyond what you can comprehend. And that's, that's the, they're the two things that you need from a coach. Also, know that you probably need more than one coach for different reasons. And you need to engage and invest in that ASAP because I was fortunate enough that I met you on the treatment table. Had I not, I would have had to find you and, and 
I had already built up that trust with you anyway. It was the relationship that we had that I knew you were the right person. So knowing knowing who to trust can be hard, um, but uh, I was fortunate in my situation. So the sooner you start looking for a coach, the sooner you'll know whether they're the right one or not. And if you don't have a coach, you will, you are being completely ignorant right now. Yeah, I think that's spot on in that. Not only could it be a coach, it could be a consultant, it could be an advisor, it could yeah. be just an organization that could take a fresh look at the health of your business. Now, mm. a lot of us hate going to the doctor, we all know that, mm. but Googling Dr. Google all day long is only going to throw a whole bunch of random samples out there and symptoms out there and diagnoses. Just like you go to a doctor and you've got a, unfortunately, this robe at times and it's uncomfortable, mm. that is the fastest way to get the issue dealt with diagnosed and have a plan of action put in place so yeah. i'm really glad you've trusted me with that nick and so um for those that are listening have a think about and look around not only within your local um, community mm. but also your very customer base yeah. there could be someone in that customer base that you've helped that is itching to help you back or has the expertise to direct you in the right direction or recommend somebody that can help you well that's right i, I think there's there's I suppose it goes both ways, doesn't it? There's plenty to go around. People, people often say that there's plenty of fish in the sea. Well, the ocean's massive. And you don't need to find the, the, the absolute best or the most expensive or anything like that or the, the one that's got the best Google rating. You just need to go through recommendation based on people that you trust. And there's enough in your own, in your own sort of personal relationship ecosystem in a way uh, in order for you to, in order to to satisfy your current needs, your future needs, but then as you grow and develop, your ecosystem changes and your community changes, so you find other more accomplished people and you grow again. So you're better off going through people that you trust in the first place to find the people that you can then trust to help you. Great, and I'm a big believer. Uh, for those that have worked with me and those that are listening, so that you know. The sidekicks are a big believer in relationship-based selling mm. and servicing are very undervalued. You need to have a relationship first. And that's probably a conversation for another time. Yeah. But if we could kind of keep moving and paint the picture for our listeners, at that point that you engaged with the sidekicks, yes. what was happening? What were the symptoms and the causes? In the, well, I should probably, what were the symptoms, symptoms that symptoms. you were feeling? Because the, di- the diagnosis wasn't yet issued and we weren't sure what was happening. And what were you feeling at the time as an accomplished chiropractor and business owner and leader? Hmm. The symptoms were I was I was stressed because I couldn't tell how much money was in the bank because we were incurring debts, incurring invoices before like without even being able to so your finances were out of control well, I had no money idea coming, what was going, going and the numbers weren't small like we went from zero to a million in three years and I didn't even know how to handle a $100,000 business before that so how do you I didn't have the training and expertise to be able to handle numbers of that magnitude which by no means are the biggest ever, but $1 million is what every small business wants to aspire towards. And we got there very quickly, which means I needed to learn some quick lessons, which I wasn't learning. 
point is, the symptoms were I was stressed, I was uh, paranoid, um, I had a, a large team and I didn't know them because I was too busy treating patients. So I was stuck in the room, I was treating a lot of patients, I was, my staff were not meeting my expectations. I didn't, I was angry at them. Um, I, what else? I was frantic about marketing and getting more people in the door. I was, um, and that's the only reason for that was because my solution to bigger debts was bigger revenue. Mm. rather than actually looking at those debts. Um, yeah, so I think, I think they were the main symptoms and I suppose, I suppose the, those symptoms started to mushroom out. I started to, I started to really have bad conversations. I started to, I started to um, you know, just start breaking some of the relationships that I had worked very hard to build. Wow. Because mm. it sounds like um, you were going through a lot of growing pains mm. with ambiguity about what the plan was what the issues were and how you were going to address some of the frustrations mm. and that's you know as we spoke about at the time for those that are listening a very common problems with businesses that rapidly grow and most small businesses in that business owners go into them thinking that they're going to be financially free they're going to be uh, have the oh, time flexibility yeah. that they're going to be able to lead a team of amazing people who will do the work and that they're going to be successful without having to get close to the numbers a lot of, I got into, I started Balance of the Performance um, out of a necessity. I had quit my job. I had a falling out with my last, with my previous employer. I started, I started, you know, without really any intention of setting up a company or an organization. I didn't really know what I had. Uh, and as a result, I, I think, I think a lot of small business owners or should I call them sole traders? They're not really small business owners. There's a little difference there. As I went into it, I was looking at it from a sole trader point of view, but I never really planned for when I didn't have time to look after the overflow. And the overflow, it's, it's almost like you get to this point where you've maxed out your, your earning capacity as, as an individual. You're billing plenty, you're billing enough where you think you're raking it in and you just start dishing out the cash and paying this, buying that. You're not really measuring it because you've just got more coming in. So you just think you're invincible. And then before you know it, you're, you're bringing enough cash in, you bring on a staff member, you start paying them. You're just guessing what you're going to pay them really because you just go based on industry standards, not what your company needs. And so I feel like a lot, of sol a lot of small business owners fall into the trap of never planning for when they're going to go from sole trader to a small business owner to entrepreneur and leader. Yeah. So let's bring that together a bit for those um, listening at the moment. And especially if you're thinking about starting your business, speeding it up or saving it, this is a very important part of the conversation. Yeah. What Nick's really talking about in the experience of the sidekicks we find a lot of people create self-employment opportunities for themselves via their small business, mm. but not necessarily have a true definition of a small business. And so that if you're at the moment listening and wondering if you've got a real small business or whether you are just a sole trader or a self-employed individual, I want you to ask yourself this question. Maybe write it down on your notepad if you've got one handy. Can you take 
a two-week holiday or vacation and have your business run? And not only that, can it grow without you being in the business? And if the answer to those questions is no, then you are stuck working in the business than on the business and you don't have a true small business. Mm. I, I remember when I went away on a five-week holiday from the company once. I went on a five-week holiday and, and oh, look, I mean, we had just changed our HQ address, so we had just changed our location. We had set it up. We went in there. We had the help of the team, and then I just went to Europe. And um, it was probably not very good timing, uh, but at the same time, it was planned. And when I came back, I had the five weeks off but what I didn't realize was I actually had a, a, a real, I was, a, I was an absent leader in the lead up to that. And as a result, the team started looking to each other for leadership. And what ended up happening was I came back and realized that I had now fully lost control of not, I, had not, I didn't know the finances of the business very well beforehand. Sorry, not very well. At all. I didn't know the, the business finances at all. Came back. Not only did I not have control of the finances, I didn't have control of the team and what they were doing and what they were saying. The only thing I had control of was how many patients I was seeing and marketing. So individual performance as opposed to team and business performance. So I had, uh, this company had grown into, into one where we had 19 staff members at one point. And I was, I was still well and truly within, inside the treatment room where I was one-on-one with a patient. And I had 18 others running around. Just crazy. Yeah. And I'm really glad that you've been open and vulnerable about that, Nick, especially around your leadership style of time. Mm. I know it takes... I guess a, a, a very mature person to be able to acknowledge that. Hopefully to the listeners, we've given quite a good context setting to where balance was. Mm. Before we move on further, what I'd like is for you to share what was the tipping point of where the business was, its life stage and its ongoing success that caused you to finally reach out for help and realize that this had to stop. At that point, we had actually moved on from our business coach. Uh, about three, three months before that, we decided to stop paying, paying money to our previous business coach because he didn't really have answers for us. And the truth was, not only was he younger than me, that was his, that, he had no corporate or business experience anyway, and he was so revenue-focused. And I had a discussion with my business partner about, hang on a second, do you think we have a revenue problem here? And we looked at each other, we said, nah, we have a million dollar business. This is, we're bringing in money. So we started to realize that actually, we, are, we basically were trusting the wrong person. Now my gut originally, and this is, this is a key point for people listening, don't engage a business coach if your gut is saying no. And my gut was telling me no originally, and I was convinced by some peers and and other people in the industry. Anyway, the tipping point was after about three months of no coaching, we realized that we needed some help. 
because I looked at my business partner, he looked at me, and we both shrugged our shoulders and said, I don't think we know what we're doing. How long at that point would you have had in the coffers or how much time do you feel financially you would have had for the business to actually survive? Two months. It was make or break. So literally two months before the business went under. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And a lot of staff, over a dozen staff, would have been impacted by that. Correct. So kind of you had your back against the wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's something that's common in a lot of conversations that the psychics have with a lot of business owners. And it takes, unfortunately, for them to be at breaking point, have their back against the wall, for them to realize that this situation must change. Mm. Sometimes, unfortunately, it's a bit too late because the creditors or debtors come in or there's an unexpected change in the operating model or the staffing, there's an exodus of staff because your staff know when you're, they're on a winning ship. They also know when they're on a sinking ship. Mm. So I'm really glad at that point, I think you and I really um, started to crank up our conversations and get real and marry the truth. It wasn't until then that I started to actually realize that and there was something that you talked about, about playing good defense and having each other's backs. And I realized that a huge component of our company, see, I always thought of HR as just your relationships and just the, you know, how well you got along with your team. <laughs> um, and unfortunately, or fortunately, I should say, I was very wrong because our HR needed some serious work and if that's all it was then we were having a great time every day yeah. it was like a tea party every day however no one was being held to account no one had my back and there were there were conversations happening about me behind my back sounds like you had a team of individual contributors rather than a team of team players and that was in the past and i i, I know where you've taken the team right now and with your oh, great yeah. leadership Look, and things have changed quite substantially. And what I'm saying, well, the, the reason I'm saying that is more because, well, the tipping point was also the fact that there's stuff that happens literally, literally in front of you that if you're not seeing through the clouds or if you've got too many clouds in front of you and too many distractions, you can't see. Yeah. Um, and so you can't see the forest from the trees, basically. Yeah, fantastic. So, um, you know, one of the other things I'd say to those that are listening before you get into the touchy-feely, hugs and cuddles and leadership rah-rah, one of the most important things you've got to understand is you have to react to the situation. Mm. Leadership has to be situational because if the decks are alight in your business and it's burning down, mm. you have to take immediate action, which is very different when you're in peacetime and it's all hunky-dory and rosy and sunshine. Yeah. And so I'm really glad that you trusted me at the time hmm. to change gears really quickly, turn around the ship and make sure it didn't sink. Now, what might be useful is for us to talk a little bit about the process that we went through to diagnose the business, to come up with a plan and start to put rapid actions into place. Nick, let's, uh, let's transition into the rapid action plan. And we're, we've obviously shared a little bit about where balance, health and performance was. Hmm back up against the wall, growing pains, effectively in some pretty serious financial trouble. Mm -hmm. Do you want to share a little bit about the diagnosis that I put you through uh, and the team put you through? Um, and then we can kind of cover from the diagnosis some of the rapid actions that we took to turn things around. Sure. Do you remember, do you remember that far back? 
It's been a while. Look, uh, it, they weren't the best of my times, to be honest. They were. That was probably one of the hardest times I've ever had in my life. Um, so uh, a lot of it is a blur, to be honest, because it was so negative. Um, but one of the things that you did was you firstly allowed myself and Matt, my business partner, to, you just gave us time just getting to know us and just seeing over time the interplay between him and I. I think at that point you already knew that the finances were a problem. I mean, I didn't even know if I could pay you at that point. And... Because I didn't know, I didn't know that, and actually, you were super understanding and accommodated for that. And you gave me a chance to just be me, and also allowed Matt to just give him a chance to be him. But I think in that you saw some of my frustrations come out in outbursts of either anger, frustration, reactivity behavior which I wouldn't be proud of as a leader that's number one mm. the best part was that you just gave us time and space so that you could see that firsthand yeah and I think um, mm. I think yeah and I appreciate you sharing that I think a lot of times you've got to mirror the industry that you're supporting mm. um, and you've got to really treat people with dignity and respect and what I mean by those two things is you know the industry that you're in which is effectively, Making sure that your patients are comfortable, there's respect, there's trust, there's likability. Mm. So they can actually open up to you and show you what their issues are so you can help them. Yes. It's the same sort of process. And a lot of, um, I've noticed there are some outfits out there and consultants out there that just want to come in and be the knower and dictate what they know as opposed to really getting to know you and, and unpacking what's important to you, mm. what's gotten you to that point so far, what decisions have you taken. Um, and what's in your mindset? Um, mm. A lot of businesses don't just arrive there by automatic autopilot. Mm. They kind of get there by incremental decisions. Each of the leaders, business owners, partners make yes. over time. And um, it was uh, a real interesting interplay around balancing. And I think you saw it at the time, balancing the time to invest into getting to know you and Matt, while at the same time, really putting in actions to safeguard the business from getting into a worse off position you did that by asking just heaps of questions and just figuring out if if and if we didn't know the answer then we had to figure the answer out and we had to get that answer to you asap and um look in in all in all honesty i think we were really ready we had to take drastic action uh, and we were in the right mindset which you know was a desperation mindset. It wasn't a very good mindset, but we were in a mindset of change. We had to change. Yeah. And, you know, there is no performance or change without some sort of pressure. And that was the pressure that we had. We had to, we weren't sure whether we had a surviving business or not. And you just allowed us to, to have that time and space to, to just bring you the answers and bring you the answers in our way rather than giving us blunt and it was never by email it was always either by phone 
or by tech or by uh, or in a in a face to face meeting. Yeah. So for business owners that are out there and whether they're starting, speeding up, or trying to save their business, what are some of the sort of um, preparations that you would suggest they make, and what sort of mindset or thought process should they go through to be in a position where they can let somebody in to diagnose effectively where mm. their business is at and what needs to happen to move forward? So, so just so I understand the question, so I answer it properly, you're asking what situation should someone be in? Well, I think um, you know, as a as a business owner who yeah. was in that headspace and that situation. Yes. For anyone out there that's going through the same thing, what are some of the the tips that they should you would share with them? Yes. To have, make sure that they're mentally prepared to get the most out oh, of any support. That's a that's a really great question. Um, it's a hard one for me to answer because, for me, I will, I will, literally eat shit off the floor to make this business work really well. I will do what it takes. And <laughs> getting a bit intense there, but it is, but it but was it's a tough true. time. Yeah, it's true. And if the 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 success of this business, like the success of this business, is literally I'm I'm obsessed with it, and I want uh, things to work, and I'll do everything it takes to make it happen. So number one mindset thing is get rid of. You need to remove out of your mind what you think you want to do or what you think you need and take the advice. The same way that an athlete does what the coach says, follows the orders of the chiropractor, everyone talks, everyone everyone plays ball. But at the end of the day, the coach wins because it's the coach that directs the traffic. It's up to the athlete to shut up and do the job. So be open and listen. What else would you say people and have the right sort of motivation, right, hunger? Is there anything else that they could do to prepare or to make make that the most successful engagement they can have with a coach? Just be impartial to what you need to give up. So there's something in there. Let's talk about that. So most, So you've just said you need to give up something. At that point, did you realize that did you want everything to be your way and you, nothing would change or did you actually have a conscious conversation with yourself around things have to change and it was that a you'd huge have to wrestle yeah. huge I wasn't ready for that mm. you knew it too you knew I wasn't ready for that you you would protect me from the fact that I needed to get rid of one of my clinics uh, and at that point potentially too at that point which didn't happen and you know it's it was just it was uh, I was holding on to the legacy and to the the things that I had built for even even though they were dragging me down you know there was a situation which was heavily against me and made no business sense to hold on to yet I still wanted to hold on to it because I felt like it was part of balance at that point I was actually more worried about what other people would think about mm. me closing a clinic than I was about closing the fucking clinic because mm. that's what I needed to do I was more worried about my ego and how that would and and what that that would look like a failure. Um, and so, I had to wrestle with that myself. And I think you gave me plenty of time and space. And I think you uh, you were very it was expertly done. In that, you allowed me to grieve. Actually, go through the sort of the process of just letting go of that clinic, 
and uh, and moving on. Also, letting go of lots of different staff and people that I that I had pretty much nurtured and developed since they were new grads. Mm. And you know, I, d- I developed them and worked with them for a couple of years, two, three years, and um, and you know, I had to let go of them at the same time as let go of something that I had personally started and built. Interesting how I think you realized fairly early early on that holding on was actually doing more damage than letting go. Mm. Uh, and what you've just touched on there is a really good insight for anyone listening. There's a mindset piece that you could be prepared for all day long, read mm. all the right books, watch all the YouTube videos, have all the right conversations. But until you actually wrestle with and digest your emotions, it's the, it's half the battle, right? So uh, maybe uh, the crazy question, but what's the percentage that was more you wrestling with emotions versus you wrestling with your mindset and some of the um, expectations you had about how things would play out? <laughs> the percentage? Yeah, like was it, you know, the lion's share, was it more mindset or was it more emotion in those early days or was it kind of evenly balanced? It was completely emotional. Right. It was completely emotional. I was, I couldn't stop. I, 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 even though, I, I don't know, you, like you, you had the patience of a saint back then. Mm. Every conversation I'd be complaining about something. Um, not just complaining, but also bleeding. Like I was venting. It's almost like I had no one to talk to or no one that understood. And... Um, it was it was a really tough time because I I knew what I I knew what the real I knew in my gut what the real answer was and I also logically understood that that was correct. Yeah, I need to let go of this. These people need to leave. Yeah. Um. But then, my my mindset was, but that is going backwards, and I, I just couldn't see the future knowing that that was going to lead us to being fruitful in, <laughs> in the black. Yeah. Uh, and I just I couldn't see that path, which I knew you could to a certain extent. Yeah. And that's the reason I've asked you that question is um, we all know how big of a role emotion plays in our personal lives. Mm. In what we do that day, the clothes we wear, the car we drive, the job we have, the partner that we um, are with. A lot of those decisions are quite emotional. Mm. But emotion isn't logic. Uh, And so I think at the time, to your credit, you really opened up about how you were feeling and also how you were thinking. And it's sort of until you come out of that fog of emotion, logic can't actually have a role. Uh, And so if anyone listening, I think one of Nick's great um, gifts that he's given is, you know, the insights and the vulnerability of what he was going through. I would really recommend, you know, that you focus on your emotions first and foremost if you're in that tough place. And yeah. and the reason I say that is entrepreneurialism, business ownership, and leadership are very lonely places to be. Mm. The buck stops with you. Whether it succeeds or fails, the buck stops with you. And you are ultimately accountable either for your own business, your own livelihood, or potentially the livelihoods of many employees that could be under you. That's and right. in your service, right? So... I think for anyone listening out there, I'm going to implore you that if you have a support network, 
whether it's friends, family, reach out to them, your kind of emotional and mental health yeah. are going to be crucial to getting you forward. And don't be afraid to seek expert advice, to talk to a friend. That's right. Or just look after yourself because at the end of the day, without you in the right headspace and the right emotional health, you're really playing um, you know, a, a handicap game. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I, definitely, I definitely felt that one of the things that you kept on putting on rewind and repeat when we were trying to have productive conversations, I would often bring up, I would often bleed again. And it was almost like the stitching would keep on, <laughs> the stitching mm. would always keep coming undone. We'd be talking about a particular topic, one thing or another, and I'd have a gripe about something. And one of the things you said was, is this, gonna, is this going to be help? Is this factual or helpful? Or is this helpful? What was it that you said? First I'd ask you, is it factual? Like, is it is factual? It, is it factual? You say yes or no. If it's factual, great. Is it actually helpful? Yeah. And you'd probably say yes or no. And most times it was not helpful. Not helpful. Or I would say, yeah. is it factual? And well, I'd probably be like, no, it's probably my perception. Okay, well, if that's the case, what's the reality? Mm. And then we would get married and then to is, the reality. And is that helpful? And is that helpful? So, yeah. you know, always came back down to, I hear you, but is that going to drive this business? Is it going to drive you forward? Or yeah. is that holding you back? Or let alone, let alone your time. <laughs> let alone your time and the conversation and what we we're actually talking about. So, um, you know, I, I, I think... What I would implore business owners that might be listening to this to do is to get as much advice just early. Mm. Uh, and, and you're not as good as you think you are. Like, as a business owner who had never done anything like this before, you don't know what you're doing. You open the doors and you, you don't realize that every decision you make is, all, is the right decision and also the wrong decision equally. Like it has, it has a consequence and you, it's, it's unbeknownst to you because you've parked all the consequences because you're too fixated on how good you are and you focus on the good reasons why you've made that decision. You forget about how your staff think about you. You forget about how your customers perceive that change. You forget about what financial, uh, what cash flow impact that decision has. Mm. Uh, and, you know... If, if, if business owners, if young business owners, so I don't mean young in age, but more like early on in the piece, if business owners early on in the piece just realize that every decision they make about a product or service they want to add, changing brands, thinking about the impact of that and how every single person is going to react or think about that decision, then it's, it's actually mind-blowing how bad some of these apparently good decisions actually are. Yeah. Um, so I implore you that even if you are going well, you're probably making mistakes today and mm. yesterday and tomorrow. So as soon as you get, get acclimatized to that reality and that fact, and that's a helpful fact, <laughs> just talk to a coach, whether that's you, Tony, or, or, or somebody else. Yeah, that's fine. Look, I think, um, I think what's really interesting is, the summary of all that for me and the takeaway for most people uh, as sidekick number one, uh, Nick, uh, really is going to come down to two things. Um, check your ego and handle your emotions. Yeah. They're your biggest and worst enemies, especially in times of crisis. Mm. 
Because mm. the ego wants to survive against all odds and your emotions mm. uh, will spiral out of control and will make sure nine times out of ten you make an illogical, emotional decision. Like how many times have we all said, you know, in an argument, said things that we regretted? Oh, that's right. Or in a fit of road rage, uh, done things that aren't our best versions of ourselves. Mm. Emotion does not equate logic. So I think there's a real good point there. Now, you know, clearly it was an intense time and I'd love for you to share... I don't know if you can recall one of the funny exercises that was quite quite serious that I did with you and Matt about the future of the business and if it wasn't to succeed, where would it go and why would it have not survived? Do you remember yeah, that exercise? Including that dumb ways to die? Yeah. So, uh, tell, tell everybody about the uh, dumb ways to die exercise and what that was about. So um, I don't – just correct me if I'm wrong because, again, like – it was probably at my lowest at that point. Um, but I think, if I recall correctly, it was from that point on that we started climbing the hill again. Um, you got us to write down on a whiteboard the list of things that nearly killed our business or that could have killed our business. And we put, we pretty much filled up the whole whiteboard <laughs> With just sheer stupidity. Absolute stupidity. Like, like some of this stuff, if you read it in a book, you'd think you're a fucking idiot. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and I think the context to round it out a little bit, if I can. Yeah. There was a transport, um, it was a transport, I think, Victoria uh, advertising campaign mm. that just showed all the unfortunate, dumb ways people died. Mm. either by being on the phone and crossing the road or running a red light or whatever it might be. Now, as, as serious and intense as that is, some of, the, some of these uh, shenanigans were quite, quite um, you know, silly. People gave up a really precious commodity, which was their life. Uh, very unique. You get one of them um, in, a, in a silly way and you know, it was quite a loss. And so you take that exercise and you translate it to dumb ways the business could die. And I think at the time you and Matt came up with things like we're going to run out of cash or we're not close to the finances and the bookkeeping, or there's a malpractice issue, um, or we have an exodus of staff, or you know, so on and so forth. And you know, as, in, as serious as that topic is, when you look at some of those um, reasons how that business could die, they're actually quite frivolous, and they can be avoided. And it kind of puts a bit of humor back into um, giving you back control that yeah. your destiny is in your hands, really. It's not, it's not some right. sort of serious you know, meteoroid that's coming at your business. It's within. It's coming from within. That's right. And again, like I said, it, it came down to making decisions that I thought were good at the time because I saw the opportunity and I took it every time. And sometimes I'm super annoyed at myself for being so frivolous and also so hot-headed and reactive. At the same time, I'm also grateful because, well, the company got to a seven-figure milestone in half the time a normal small business does. Mm -hmm. Like, like for me, that I'm super grateful for that because it's a milestone that a lot of small businesses don't even get to. Yeah, and, and therein lies in that a, probably a very powerful point, mm. which is one you raised, that every decision has a advantage and disadvantage. Mm. And every decision, you know, every problem that you solve will create a new problem, just at a high level. Yeah. And so one of the things that I think you did really well and those that are listening, 
every decision that you make, I'm not suggesting, has to be with emotion all the time. Otherwise, you'd be an artificial robot. Oh, that's right. Yeah. It just needs yeah, to no. be thought through around what's the emotional impact, hmm. what's the broader impact in terms of team members, your community, your customers, your stakeholders, the industry. Yeah. And make sure, like you said, hot-headed. You said, you know, a couple of other emotive words. Hmm. Make sure that it's a balance between logic and emotion and it's not one or the other. Sometimes the most logical decision is the wrong one for your team as well. Yeah, which we'll probably kind of cover a bit more around some of the actions we took. So yeah. I think we've set the scene around the diagnosis, which sounds like if I could summarize some of the things that you experienced mm. was firstly connecting and getting to know you and Matt, yep. understanding what you were going through, your frustrations, your emotions, your mindset, and as well as your hopes and aspirations. Uh, it wasn't all uh, you know dark clouds at the time. I think there was a bit of uh, yeah, injection yeah. of hope. Yeah. And then it's really about understanding... It was the numbers. You diagnosed what the numbers were. Where are we at financially? Like, where Are you making money? What's your profit margin? Uncovered debts that we didn't even realize we had. How much money do you owe other people? When was the last repayment? Yeah. How much do you owe the tax office? I mean, these are some things that, you know, I'm sure people can even just Google online or go and do a bit of research or speak to someone that's in their circle around what are some of the financial considerations. Yeah. And then we kind of did an assessment around the team. It's probably a good transition to maybe talk a little bit about that assessment. Obviously, um, we'll keep it at a framework high level. Yeah. Don't have to go into much detail. But do you remember one of the the first simple whiteboard sessions we did uh, around assessing the team? Or should I refresh sort of your memory? I cannot remember that. Yeah. Do you remember this? I, look, and it's interesting because when you're in an emotive state, yeah, your brain obviously isn't going to be... <laughs> You know, I don't remember this at all. Firing all cylinders and yeah. you're trying to just survive. And so I was coming at it from quite a logical state by mm. design. It wasn't mm. reaction, it was quite by design. And one of the one of the things that everyone that's listening can do that has a team, you wouldn't want to do it on yourself if you're a sole trader, but if you've got if you've, yeah. if you've got a team, just get a piece of paper out, a whiteboard, and just draw a vertical line, horizontal line, and one of them will be cultural fit, you know, or, or values fit. So from zero to ten. Zero being, you know, this person doesn't fit in my organization at all or doesn't espouse the values that I uphold. I vaguely remember this. It's starting to come back to you, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And then the other line will be about their performance level. Zero being that you may as well not have them around and 10, they're an absolute superstar. Yeah. And for each person, you would just go and plot, you know, you say, Nick, out of 10, what's his fit into the team and value and culture? Well, Nick's an eight out of 10. Great. And what's his performance like? Well, actually, Nick's more like a five. He's a mediocre performer. And you would just plot that as a, a positional grid. Mm. And you'd go through the whole team and figure out oh. where everybody lands as a sort of I a just bit don't of a remember spectrum. The details. Yeah. yeah, which, yeah. Uh, and once Probably. you've done that, you then need to assess Probably what's the bare minimum you would accept mm. as a cultural fit. So if it's seven is the minimum that you'd accept, then you draw a line across. And then you'd go, well, performance-wise, what is it that I need? Well, actually, it's a seven. Hmm. Okay, you draw another line. Anyone that sits below that line, Gotta go. you need to figure out whether they're staying or going. And I would always say to people, especially business owners, keep the person that has a, the right cultural fit as opposed to the person that's performing and hmm. doesn't fit in your business. You can always train people to perform better, hmm. but you can't necessarily retrain them to fit in. So that, that was one of the exercises that I think anybody here could do, and it's actually going to be confronting. The other question that you could ask yourself if you don't want to go down a whiteboard or a piece of paper route is, if every position in this company was up for grabs, would I... Who would you rehire? Who would you rehire and who would you fire and start from scratch? Mm. 
would you rehire that person that's on reception? Or would you actually go back out to the market and get someone different? And that's also telling because your gut will tell you pretty quickly. Yeah. So we went through the finances, went through, I guess, avoidable ways that the business could die and started looking around corners. Hmm. And then we did a bit of a people diagnostic to see who was the right fit and who was actually contributing uh, and who wasn't. Is there anything you'd add to that sort of diagnosis process in a high level? Oh, the only other thing was that we then reviewed any any liability that we had, which was any any sort of um, liability within leases, contracts, um, rentals, etc. And so we went through things like our leases at uh, all the different locations. I remember asking you about how much you were paying in, in rent in one location. Mate, I had no idea. I, don't know. I remember asking you, where's the lease? And you didn't know where it was. I, I, didn't, know, I didn't know anything, mate. I was, I was too busy. I was in my own world, mate. Mm. treating patients, fixing, fixing patients, fixing problems. So just on that particular point, fast forward two years. Yeah. Where are the leases? Copies of the leases? At HQ. Yep. And you, would you know the rent? And on the drive. Yeah, Google Drive. Yeah. And would you know the rent of every one of the locations, give or take? Absolutely. Absolutely. So give getting, take. you probably have it to the decimal point yeah, of note. Uh, and, you know, maybe later on we can talk a little bit about getting closer to your numbers in business. But from a diagnosis perspective, I think we've shared a bit of a flavor mm. of the trials and tribulations that you went through, the battle you had with your ego and emotion, yeah. as well as some of the rapid actions we took to diagnose things around the business, around the legal liabilities, financial, as well as people. Yep. So, Nick, we've gone through a bit about the past and mm. the growing pains as well as some of the obstacles that you had to overcome. Yeah. Let's put people's minds at ease, those that are listening. Mm. Um, where is Balance Health and Performance at now from an overall business perspective? So, Balance is now at seven locations. Um, so, we've opened two locations this year. We've got a wholesome team. The team has got a high-performance culture. Um Everyone is contributing. Everyone is working together. Everyone's also keeping each other accountable, actually, to a certain extent. And uh, we've got the basics right, really. Mm. Um, our patients know why they're coming in. Our patients aren't confused about uh, anything, really. There's good uh, procedures in terms, procedures in place to be able to work on cases and professional development with the team. It's a very coachable environment where now the team is on song and it's everyone is pretty much in line with what the vision is. Yeah, well, what, what is that vision just for those that are... The vision is, is, is making a difference to the people's lives. And how did you actually come up with that? That might be worth just sharing a little bit. Uh, we came up with it. Uh, doing, we actually did a workshop. It was a quite in-depth workshop, um, a discovery workshop, and it took quite a long time to just figure out, in a nutshell, using words, only words, um, what balance on performance does and stands for. And it was a matter of el- elimination, mm. and um, uh, but also elimination by what stands out the most, really. And that's that's how we came about making a difference to people's lives. We don't do anything else. Yeah. Um, and I think it sounds like that's really helped instill some of that teaming and that camaraderie yeah, into definitely. the culture. Yeah, definitely. They uh, the team the team seemed uh, the team it took a while to to show them and to remind them 
uh, as did the values. That took a while to to sink in, um, but once once we started realizing that we're aligning what we're doing in the treatment room with making a difference to people's lives, we're doing it for them. Yeah, the greater good, right? Yeah, and the higher purpose. Um, and the reason why we're you know doing consults where we're focusing on getting to know them, finding the cause, coming up with a plan of attack and, and doing going the extra mile for these patients because they deserve it. Mm. And the industry the, the industry needs it. How would you describe, I guess, the team culture and some of the values that are upheld at Balance Health and Performance? Well, we have three values. Uh, the first one is do the right thing, make a difference, and think and act like a business owner and it it acts as a compass to um, navigate through what the right or right or wrong decision might be I suppose there's no wrong decisions um, but gear towards uh, values driven uh, decision uh, and and um, and what that what it does is it allows us to to just navigate through dilemmas and dramas um, by doing the right thing even though sometimes we don't want to um, and you know, having having a conversation with someone who might be unhappy, even though you, you don't want to, and because it's value driven, and that's and that's how we are. We we want to look after people, and we do, and that's how. Yeah, it's it's just funny and interesting how doing the right thing never sort of goes out of fashion. It's always the right thing. The, doing the right thing is always the right thing yeah. to do. Yeah. Mm. Um, for those that are in their own small business right now, that are kind of trying to make ends meet, think about the next week's activities and tasks and emails and messages and requests to fulfill. How would you um, how would you recommend that they go about actually getting clear on their company's purpose and their company's values? Well, the, the first thing that the company's purpose is, is it is not quantifiable. It is for the greater good. It's not something that can be encapsulated into a goal. Um, it should also be what the company is already doing. So if it's a gym, it's you know uh, helping people be fitter or getting people healthier or something like that. Like mm. It obviously needs to be more inspiring than that. But in essence, it doesn't matter how big or small you are as a business you are fulfilling your vision. So it's got it, it's got less to do with monetary goals, got less to do with the anything that's quantifiable. It's got everything to do with the greater good and that is not encapsulated with a goal. Yeah. So just to, to, to add to that, I think that's spot yeah. on. That's your experience. I think to add to that for Christmas for those that are wondering how to go about it. For Christmas or for Christmas? Well, Christmas is coming up, but for Christmas, 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 and yeah, this is the this is the beauty of just uh, having an honest conversation is that it's not perfectly edited and scripted. Um, so like you haven't got a lisp. That's right. That could that, that could be all sorts of fun. Uh, everyone can tell that we're we're, we're probably um, we've gone through the intense phase of this conversation yeah. and coming out with Come a bit, on, bit more uh, a bit more fun. Yeah. So for those that are thinking about going about a, a similar sort of process, the definition effectively is why does your business exist? Mm, that's right. 
Uh, what's the purpose? Why does it exist? And if you can't answer that with a higher order statement or a, or a purpose statement as to why you exist beyond the service and the product, then I think there's probably a lot more questions you need to be asking. And there's a lot of resources out there to help you facilitate either through questioning or an exploratory workshop or even just asking your staff and customers as what's our purpose? Why do we exist? What do we do for you that uh, you know really adds to, to making a difference to you? You'd be surprised as to what you would find. If you're if you've gotten into business because of for your own gain, uh, then make sure you stay as a sole trader. Because you're not going to be able to hold on to any staff, and staff will become a nightmare for you. Because it's about you. And if if you are literally you opened up a, a, a business because you didn't want to work for anyone else before, then stay as a sole trader. Mm. Because you, the only one that wants to work for you is you. And you've done it for yourself. The minute then someone comes and challenges you, let's say it works for you as a sole trader, but with a very sole trader's vision, they will start to question why they turn up for you every day. And if you don't have a greater, if there's no greater good there, if there's no actual reason why they need to come to work, to work for you, then they're going to leave. And then you're going to complain about people and staff. Staff are so hard to find. Staff are this, staff are that, staff are that. They'll kill your business. You hear these people, you hear these sole trader mindset people say that. Staff will be, it will only do 70% of the job that you could. Man, I that's bullshit. As far as I'm concerned, some of the team at Balance and Performance look after patients better than me. They care more. I love helping people. These guys, one of, I just got a message. One of my staff members, was help, she was off sick helping a patient. And it's, it's interesting how that purpose then just really translates beyond any action, any decision, any one role description. It's The purpose is to make a difference to people's lives and whatever that takes. That's what has to happen. Well, that's right. And, uh, you know, it's... So, so these excuses about staff hindering your business is a sole trader mindset. Stop hiring people if that's your mindset. Yeah. Okay. So I think um, the invitation there is get your mindset right, get clear on your purpose, and if you can find a way to articulate the values that you stand for, yeah. that would really help engage and create the right culture with your staff members now and into the future. I'm just, I'm just super. Like I've worked so many jobs, and um, when you're, when the people that you work for aren't inspiring you, it, it really, it's really hard. Uh, as an employee, it, it sort of makes you not, you know, you don't want to wake up and go to work in the morning. And so I feel like if people, if people really knew just what they were good at, and if, and if, if being a, if deciding whether they're, they're there for a greater purpose or there for themselves and then act accordingly rather than hire people and make them miserable. Mm. Um, and a lot of chiropractors are sole traders, but they're hiring staff members and they're, they're pushing them out to, they're making them hate the profession. And it's just a real shame. Yeah. So engagement, motivation, connection to a higher purpose, higher meaning. Yeah. Sound like they're all important things to you and, and things that you've got in the team and balance health and performance to really focus on. Correct. It's great. 
now that everything's in place, Nick, mm. you've got the financial foundations, you've got the business basics, you've got the right teaming and processes. What's that allowed you to do and how's that freed you up? Um, well, it's it. I've, I've stopped seeing so many patients and most more often than not, if I am seeing a patient, I will co-manage them with one of my team members. Um, and because now, because I'm not seeing as many patients, I'm also a, more available for the team. At the beginning when that happened, the team didn't really know what to do with me because I'm just sort of sitting there uh, you know, on my laptop or just talking to them and they weren't used to that. And then slowly, they, they were just used to me being in the room treating people and then I was all of a sudden I was just there all the time. And gradually what that's done, what it's done is actually every day is like professional development for the team. Mm. It's just continuing education constantly. Um, In what way? Well, we talk about cases. And if if they don't talk to me about cases, I'll talk to them about cases. Um, And, you know, I I actually have a list of of cases that I review Mm. per week that, uh, that, that I actually just review them just as a, a, a screening tool so that if, if there's a case that's if there's a case that I can see that there's more to it, then I'll ask then I'll bring that up with the practitioner. And that can be uncomfortable for the practitioner, but you don't grow out of comfort. Yeah. So to to the business owners and leaders that are listening, if you are so busy working in your business that you don't have the time or capacity to work on your business, then you're in quite a bit of trouble. It's not a good place to be. And if you are more focused, and this is going to sound controversial, but I think you and I are very aligned on this point of view over yeah. the last couple of years. Yeah. If you are more focused on your customers and patients than you are your people, yeah. then you've lost the battle already. As far as I'm concerned, the, the worst comment that you could make is the customer is always right. The customer's not always right. Your people are right. Because they're the ones that you trust to come in the door to be held to account, to 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 that that you have a trust and relationship with over time, and then for the customer to then be right, who you don't know from a bar of soap, is I think an absolutely falsified comment. Yeah, and for what it's worth, you know, my two cents on that is, I think the intention of that statement and that cliche that's been going around for years is really about sort of a customer service mindset that the the customer's always right, the customer's always the priority. But not necessarily, you know, in your profession or some of the professions where you need to be an authority or a, or a you know, a quite an educated individual where someone's coming to you to solve a problem. Mm. Clearly, the practitioner is going to know a lot more than the patient that's presenting. Yeah. But it's interesting how I think, in my view, having had the balance health and performance experience as a patient as well mm. for some time now, it's when you've got the purpose and the values that guide every decision and you've got the patient experience that sort of is a thread through all of that. There's there's very little chance for an outcome that results where the patient isn't necessarily looked after. That's right, because the the, the actions of the of the people are instilled through the through the vision and the and the values. Absolutely. Yeah. I suppose more to more to what I was going to say before was the customer's not right. The customer has a point, and it's really important mm. to know that the customer that a happy customer will tell you a lot about their strengths, about your strengths, 
And an unhappy customer will tell you a lot about what you need to work on. Um, but I don't ever believe that the customer's right. Yeah. Especially when across the board your company's working across different locations and that you don't get complaints every day. You're fundamentally doing things properly. Mm. You're getting the basics right. Yeah, so I think just to maybe challenge that a little bit for those that are kind of going, well, I'm in my business, I'm not getting any complaints. Mm. Uh, I must be doing everything right. And okay. what, what I would suggest is if you're getting zero complaints and all compliments, either you're not innovating enough, yeah. you're not pushing hard enough, or you're actually not looking hard enough for yeah. the customers that are no longer in your business mm. who have gone elsewhere and have been too polite to share their complaint with you or to tell you what has gone wrong for them to make a different purchasing or loyalty decision. Yes. And so my invitation to everybody that's listening is, do one of two things. One, call, email, have a coffee with your top 10% or top 10 customers. Mm. Find out what you're doing really, really well and double down on that. If there's a theme, that is your absolute unique proposition, your differentiator. Equally though, and you need to have a bit of courage for this and a, a lot of humility, Call your top or your bottom 5 or 10% of customers right. that are either no longer with you or still with you but aren't doing the same business that they used to and ask them if they were to be brutally honest with you, person to person, why is it they're no longer doing the same volume of business with you? What hasn't gone well? Or what was the key interaction moment or point in time where they decided to not stay with the business and go somewhere else? And if they share that with you, they're the absolute two pieces of gold mm. that will help you double down on your strength, but also help you figure out what is your Achilles heel? What's yeah, actually right. weighing you down? That's a kind of a blind spot that you're not seeing, but is really hurting your business. Mm. Yeah, I definitely, um, I definitely feel that having that conversation with the, with the customers that are not happy gives you a huge insight. Um, yeah. Okay. So just to sort of bring it all together, because I think we've covered quite a lot. We're almost kind of at that hour mark. Uh, it's been a wonderful conversation. I, mm. I've really um, been pleased to be a part of that journey and, and to see where balance was, the turnaround, I guess some of the rapid decisions that needed to be made to yeah. save the organization, but also uh, to see how it's flourished and where it is now um, under your leadership. And in many ways, to see you as well flourish yeah, uh, and grow. Is there kind of any last sort of uh, words of wisdom or insights that you'd share with those that are listening or those no. that could find themselves in the same position? Look, I think it's all there. I just think the the number one thing that I, I keep reminding myself is that you're just not as good as you think you are. And, you know, you're famous in your, in your own world. And and when you're when you are just blown away by how amazing you are, then nothing ever looks bad. Nothing ever sounds bad. All your ideas are great. You've just got to, you've pretty much just got to take yourself with a grain of salt and start questioning every decision that you make and um, slow down. Fantastic. So if we were to kind of uh, play a bit of rapid fire okay. just into the future. Yep. Uh, two years from now, what would be kind of the thing that you'd be looking forward to the most with Balance Health and Performance? Expanding and working on people, my team. 
what would you look back and say is the proudest thing that you've achieved in two years from now? The proudest thing that that we saved the business. Hmm. We we did a we we basically just revived it, and then it flourished. It flourished in a very short amount of time. It was a quick turnaround. Fantastic. What do you want to be known for in the market? Um. For me, it's it's to be. I I, I just want to. I just want to make a difference to, to the industry. Making a difference to the industry is is huge. And if I can if I can uh, amplify my impact through our people in, and to impact and make a difference to thousands of people's of lives per week, that would mean a lot to me. At the same time, provide incredible opportunities and employment for, for chiropractors and physios and inspire them so that they don't go off and work for pharmaceutical companies and get burnt <laughs> yeah. by by other really bad sole traders trying to be business owners. Yeah. So that's yeah, I think I think let's make sure that that doesn't happen and that you do make that difference. And yeah. it's good to sort of um, hopefully revisit those in a couple of years and see if you did uh, achieve some of those things. I'm sure you will. <laughs> For anyone that's Thanks. listening who wants to get in touch with you and perhaps, you know, get a bit more insight into the journey that you've been on, some of the mm. lessons and learnings, yeah. how can they do that and, and is that something you're open to? Yeah, of course. I mean, um, you can easily just connect with me on Instagram, dr.nickpappas, uh, or on Facebook. You can just add me as a friend um, or or not if you're not comfortable with that. Um, and or you can just visit our website or my website drnickpappas.com I actually run a workshop called Squat Therapy I'm running my first one this Saturday and and uh, which was sold out and there's another one in February and uh, and I just thought I'd throw that in there, Tony. Bit of bit of, bit of uh, took, you know, promotion. Took took me about a week. Yeah. Uh, and then and then we're we're going to be running a practice Kickstarter um, next year where where actually with your help uh, I'll be I'll be able to to help other chiros and physios in the industry that have a business that they'd like to learn more about how to run it. Uh, so there'll be a practice Kickstarter workshop next year at a at a date we haven't decided yet. And, uh, and there's some more stuff on that website. So, yeah, check it out. But easiest way to connect with me is on Instagram. Fantastic. Look, and um, on behalf of everyone that's listening, I just want to say thank you for your openness, vulnerability, and leadership. Mm. Uh, it sounds like you've had a lot of growth over the last uh, couple of years, not only personally, professionally, but also as an organization. Mm. Uh, it's been an absolute privilege from my perspective to see the fruits of the hard work that were put into place those uh, many years ago, t- some tough tough uh, times during the, that journey and seeing that payback now in terms of a great team, a great business that is future-proof, mm. but also just seeing some of the, as you've shared with me, and I've seen some of the messages around customer feedback or yeah. patient experiences that are you know above and beyond what, uh, what most would expect. Mm. Thank you. Thank you for your time, Nick. Thanks for having me. Well, that brings us to the end of the episode. Thank you so much for listening. I want to thank my guest, And I also want to thank every business owner out there that is creating jobs, supporting the local community and making a difference to their customers' lives. At The Sidekicks, we would love to hear from you. If we can help you start, save or speed up your business, please get in touch. Until next time, stay tuned.